Section two of the Underground Railroad, Part five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The Underground Railroad, Part five by William Still. Section two. Portraits and Sketches esther moore for many years no woman living in philadelphia was better known to the colored people of the city generally than esther moore no woman white or colored living in philadelphia for the same number of years left her home oftener especially to seek out and aid the weary travelers escaping from bondage than did this philanthropist it is hardly too much to say that with her own hand she administered to hundreds she begged of the committee as a special favor that she might be duly notified of every fugitive reaching philadelphia and actually felt hurt if from any cause whatever this request was not complied with for it was her delight to see the fugitives individually take them by the hand and warmly welcome them to freedom she literally wept with those who wept while in tones of peculiar love sincerity and firmness she lauded them for their noble daring and freely expressed her entire sympathy with them and likewise with all in the prison house she condemned slavery in all its phases as a monster to be loathed as the enemy of god and man often after listening attentively for hours together to recitals of a very harrowing nature especially from females her mind would seem to be filled with the sufferings of the slave and it was hard for her to withdraw from them even when they were on the eve of taking up their march for a more distant station and she never thought of parting with them without showing her faith by her works putting a gold dollar in the hand of each passenger as she knew that it was not in the power of the committee to do much more than defray their expenses to the next station to new york sometimes to elmira at other times and now and then clear through to canada she desired that they should have at least one dollar to fall back upon independent of the committee's aid this magnanimous rule of giving the gold dollar was adopted by her shortly after the passage of the fugitive slave law which daily vexed her righteous soul and was kept up as long as she was able to leave her house which was within a short time of her death not only did esther mora manifest such marked interest in the fugitive but she likewise took an abiding interest in visiting the colored people in their religious meetings schools and societies and whenever the way opened and the spirit moved her she would take occasion to address them in the most affectionate manner in regard to their present and future welfare choosing for her theme the subjects of temperance education and slavery nor did she mean that her labors in the interest of the oppressed should cease with her earthly existence as the following extracts from her last will and testament will prove second item i give and bequeath to my executors hereinafter named the sum of twelve hundred dollars in trust to invest in ground rent or city of philadelphia loans at their disposal or discretion to pay the interest or income arising therefrom annually to be applied the interest of the twelve hundred dollars above mentioned for educational purposes alone for children of both sexes of color in canada apart from all sectarian or traditional dogmas which is the only hope for the rising generation 
the application of this money is intended to remain perpetual seventh item i give and bequeath to my executors the sum of one hundred dollars to be expended by them in educating and assisting to clothe phaeton and pliny j locke the sons of ishmael locke deceased and matilda locke his wife my will is that it shall be given out discretionally by my executors for the purpose above mentioned seventeenth item i give and bequeath to oliver johnson editor of the pennsylvania freeman one hundred dollars if he be living at my death if not living to go with the remainder of my estate my will is that if oliver johnson be not living at my death his bequest go with my estate eighteenth item i give and bequeath to cyrus burley lecturer and agent for the pennsylvania anti-slavery society one hundred dollars if cyrus be living at my death if not living at my death his bequest cyrus burley's i wish to go with the residue of my estate the untiring vigilance of these two young men in devoting the best of their days to the rescue and emancipation of the poor and downtrodden fugitives has obtained for them a warm place in my heart and may heaven's richest blessings reward them they have ministered more than the cup of water item nineteenth i give and bequeath unto the association for the care of colored orphans of philadelphia called the shelter for the use and benefit of colored orphans of both sexes to be paid into the hands of the treasurer for the time being for the use of said society all the rest and remainder of my estate i wish my executors or trustees to carry out my views in regard to the education of colored children in canada by paying over the interest arising annually from the twelve hundred dollars mentioned in the second item to such school or schools as in their judgment they may deem best my desire being the benefit of such children who may be in the same neighborhood with them the interest arising from the twelve hundred dollars mentioned in the second item for the purpose of educating colored children in canada is intended to remain perpetual i give and bequeath to william still of philadelphia now employed in the anti-slavery office in fifth street philadelphia february twenty one the sum of one hundred dollars and request my executors and trustees to pay over that amount out of my estate estimora was not rich in this world's goods but was purely benevolent and rich in good works towards her fellow-men hating every form of oppression and injustice and an uncompromising witness against prejudice on account of color such a friend as was esther moore during these many dark years of kidnapping slave-catching mob violence and bitter prejudice which the colored people were wont to encounter should never be forgotten the legacy devised for educational purposes was applied in due time after one of the executors in company with his wife dr j wilson and rachel barker moore visited the various settlements of fugitives in canada expressly with a view of finding out where the fund would do the most good in accordance with the testator's wishes and although the testator has been dead seventeen years her legacy is still doing its mission in her name in a school near chatham canada west in order to complete this sketch it is only necessary that we should copy the beautiful and just tribute to her memory written by oliver johnson editor of the national anti-slavery standard and published in the columns thereof as follows 
death of a noble woman from the national anti-slavery standard just as our paper is going to press there comes to us intelligence of the death of our beloved and revered friend esther moore widow of the late dr robert moore of philadelphia she expired on tuesday morning november twenty first eighteen fifty four of gout of the heart after a short but painful illness in the eightieth year of her age the writer of this first became acquainted with her in eighteen thirty six and at various times since then has met her at anti-slavery meetings or in familiar intercourse at her own house her most remarkable traits of character were an intense hatred of oppression in all its forms a corresponding love for the oppressed an untiring devotion to their welfare and a courage that never quailed before any obstacles however formidable her zeal in behalf of the anti-slavery cause and especially in behalf of the fugitive a zeal that absorbed all the powers of her noble nature was a perpetual rebuke to the comparative coldness and indifference of those around her we well remember how her soul was fired with a righteous indignation when upwards of thirty innocent persons most of them colored people were thrown into prison at philadelphia upon a charge of treason for their alleged participation in the tragedy at christiana day after day did she visit the prisoners in their cells to minister to their wants and cheer them in their sorrow and during the progress of hanway's trial her constant presence in the courtroom and her frequent interviews with the district attorney attested her deep anxiety as to the result of the impending struggle when we last saw her about a month since she was engaged in collecting a large sum of money to ransom a family of slaves whose peculiar condition had enlisted her deepest sympathy notwithstanding her age and infirmities she had enlisted in this work with a zeal which even in a younger person would have been remarkable for many days perhaps for many weeks she went from door to door asking for the means whereby to secure the freedom and the happiness of an enslaved and plundered household as a member of the society of friends she lamented the guilty supineness of that body in regard to the question of slavery and often in its meetings as well as in private intercourse felt herself constrained to utter the language of expostulation and rebuke in this as in other relations of life she was obedient to the revelation of god in her own soul and a worthy example of fidelity to her convictions of duty her stepson j wilson moore in a letter to us announcing her decease says among the last injunctions she gave was quote, write to oliver johnson and tell him i die firm in the faith mind the slave she had enjoyed excellent health the last few years and continued actively engaged in works of benevolence during the last few weeks she had devoted much time and labor to the collection of funds for the liberation of ten slaves in north carolina who had been promised their freedom at a comparatively small amount notwithstanding her great bodily suffering her mind was clear to the last expressing her full assurance of divine approbation in the course she had taken this is all that we can now say of the life of our revered and never-to-be-forgotten friend perhaps someone who knew her more intimately than we did and who is better acquainted with the history of her life and labors will furnish us with a more complete sketch if so we shall publish it with great satisfaction 
happy i happy let her ashes rest her heart was honest and she did her best in storm and darkness evil and dismay the star of duty was her guiding ray her injunction to mind the slave comes to us as the dying admonition of one whose life was a beautiful exemplification of the duty and the privilege thus enjoined it imposes indeed no new obligation but coming from such a source it will linger in our memory while life and its scenes shall last inspiring in us we hope a purer and more ardent devotion to the cause of freedom and humanity and may we not hope that others also will catch a new inspiration from the dying message of our departed friend mind the slave end of section two